Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And also, you want to go ahead and put your finger on Matthew 22, because we're going to jump there as well. Matthew chapter 6 has been the theme verse, the theme verse for our uh, sermon series here. And it goes like this, Matthew 6, verse 25. If you're not there yet, you can go ahead and give your attention to the screens. It'll be up there. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. That really has been the message of this sermon series. Don't worry about your life life because once you get God in place, he will take care of your life. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Look at verse 32. For the pagans, what is a pagan? Someone who doesn't know God. Someone who doesn't know God, they should worry about these things, but not you. You know God, and here's a big revelation, and God knows you and that you need the things that you're asking for, that you need the things that you're asking for. So here's the, here's the answer. There's the but. We talked about the but of God, okay? And that you have to, you have to hear the but because his promise is conditional, all right? It says, and if you but seek, somebody say it with me, first his kingdom and his righteousness. And we spent the last two weeks talking about seeking first his kingdom. Today, we want to put our attention on the second half of that, which is and his righteousness. And in order to do that, we're going to expound more on it by looking at a continuation of this passage just a few chapters later, Matthew 22. Jesus has almost the identical conversation, except he's having it with religious leaders and teachers and pastors and preachers. Same conversation, just, just a different context. Here he goes. But when the Pharisees, Matthew 22, 34 through 40, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. They were both enemies of Jesus. And if you can't beat them, join them, because they were enemies of each other too. But they said, well, I can't get them, so let's try and get them together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Pause. Sounds a lot similar, right? Seek first God. Okay, but now Jesus is going to expound on the righteousness part. Now he's going to get more into what righteousness means because look what he says. And a second, verse 39, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Here's my title for today's message. First come, first serve. First come, first serve. The Pharisees were asking Jesus, which is the greatest of the commandments? The irony of that is is that there were 613 different commandments. And so there were 613 different answers to that question. And if I can be honest, they didn't really want an answer to that question because they were going to fight whatever answer Jesus gave them because they weren't looking for an answer. They were looking for an argument. And by the way, never give someone an answer who's just looking for an argument. Okay, because here's what they wanted to do to Jesus, and here's what that person wants to do to you. He wants to get you to argue. He wants to get you to defend yourself, because whenever you defend yourself, defending yourself looks like weakness. Whenever you defend yourself, you look weak. And that's what they wanted to do to Jesus. They wanted to get him in a corner to defend himself so that he could look weak and they could attack his credibility. That's why you got to think twice before you comment back at that person who commented nasty on your your social feed. 
That's why you got to think twice about giving the comeback, even though the comeback is awesome, even though it's in your mind and it rhymes and you know it's going to hurt them and, and, you're, and, 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 you, and you, you know, your mama. And even though it's coming out, you got to be careful. Why? Because you think it makes you look strong, but it actually makes you look weak. It actually makes you look weak. And so the next time you feel that urge inside of you, remember, I'm not going to fight like I want to fight. I want to fight like Jesus fought. And Jesus didn't fight like that. Jesus fought, you know how Jesus fought? Jesus fought by silently carrying a 165-pound cross on his shoulder up two miles on a hill. That's how he fought. He fought, he fought by silently whispering with whatever strength he had left in his lungs, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, Jesus doesn't fight battles like you and I fight battles. He doesn't fight battles with hatred and anger. He doesn't fight battles with prejudice. He doesn't fight battles with, with that kind of energy. He fights battles with love, with mercy, with forgiveness, with patience, with peace. And we got to fight battles the way Jesus fights battles. Here's what I love about Jesus. He didn't have to build himself up in order to tear other people down. Because he was void of insecurity and full of love. Instead, he let others tear him down so that he could build them up. Wow. An amazing thing happens when you no longer feel the need to be important. You're free to help others discover what's truly important. And that's what Jesus did. He, he redirects the conversation. They said, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the word? And you got to imagine Jesus is like LOL all over his mind. He's like, are you asking me about the word? Son, I am the word. <laughs> in the beginning was me. What you, this is not what this is about. I'm going to tell you what this is about. This is about you and your relationship with God. And with only the wisdom that Jesus could possibly possess, in one sentence, he both answers their question and brings conviction to their hearts. He says, love your God. Let's not make this about something else that it's not about. Love your God. And the Pharisees and Sadducees walked away with their head bowed low because out of the 613 commandments that they had kept, this was the one that they had not. They realized they didn't love God, and so they walked away from God, understanding that their heart was not behind it. They had the wrong motive. And Jesus is like, I want to help you. You're doing a lot, 613 things to be exact, but none of it matters if love is not in it. None of it matters if love, because only love can bring change. All right, I'm gonna share with you a true story. All right, true story. First day ever with Liz, we're, we're in the Ybor City. If you've ever been to Ybor City in Tampa, it's pretty, pretty urban, pretty rough. And so we're there and uh, we're walking through and uh, we just left the restaurant and an up comes a homeless man. He looks pretty bad shape. He says, sir, can I have, how can I have, do you have some change? And so, and so I, I, I go into my pocket and I grabbed, you know, whatever dollars and change I had, I gave it to him, you know, and I was like, but you know what, honestly, man, this isn't really going to last you long. I would love to give you something that's going to last you a lot longer. Can I tell you about Jesus? And so Liz and I are there and we tell Jesus and we invite him to pray the prayer of salvation and he prays the prayer of salvation and we continue on with our day. How many people think that was a good thing of me to do? Raise your hand if you think that was a good thing of me to do. Put your hand down. I'm about to tell you something. And I need you to advance to promise me you will not judge me. In fact, repeat after me, Pastor. No matter what you say, right now, I will not judge you. What if I told you the only reason I stopped for that man was to impress Liz? <laughs> <laughs> She's a Christian girl. Don't 
care about Mercedes and put, they want them in a car. You know what I'm saying? So I was, I was walking out that restaurant. I saw that dude. I saw her. She saw the dude. I was like, this is my moment. This is my moment. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hooker right now. Silver or gold I have now, but what I do I give to you in the name of Jesus. I mean, I. Boy, when I finished praying for that guy, she was like, mm. <laughs> Go ahead, man of God. You are a man of God. I was like, win. No. <laughs> now, now let me ask you, was that a good thing that I did? <laughs> some people say, some people say, some people might say, yeah, because you still have the homeless guy and he still, he still met Jesus. Yeah, but the only problem with that is I'll only do that while this is around. Because I'm not, I'm not a Christian at that point. I'm an actor. Because you know, the love might have changed him, but it didn't change me. Because if she wasn't there, I wouldn't have done it. Motive means everything because it's the right motive that allows you to continue on a path. And it's consistency in a path that does the change. That's why so many people start the January in gym, but leave the, leave the gym in February. Because they get into the gym with the wrong motive. What's the wrong motive to go to the gym? To look good. Guess why? Because it don't happen in January. It's going to happen in January of the next year, maybe. And so you can't fall in love with trying to look good, because if you fall in love with trying to look good, your motive will not last. Here's, anybody who's ever made it in the gym will tell you, you got to fall in love with the gym. You got to fall in love with the process. Because even when the looks aren't there, the process still is. Love means everything. It's love that allows you to continue. It's love. Maybe that's why Jesus said, seek first God, then righteousness. Because we got a lot of people trying to change their behavior, but they haven't set the right belief yet to support the behavior. And they're wondering why they're struggling with their behaviors because they got a bad underlying belief. And God is saying, no, belief precedes behavior. You got to believe in me first and love me first. Then you'll be able to do good things. Maybe that's why he said, love God first and love your neighbor because he knew that love was the motive we've been missing. Now I want to illustrate something. I've said this many times here from the pulpit, but it's the first time I've ever illustrated it. And, uh, and I want to do that today. I want to read to you, uh, 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 we're, going to, we're going to just reread, we're going to reread that passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 22, verse 38 and 39. This is the great and first commandment. It's on there, right? This is the great and first commandment. And look at verse 39, and. It says and and not but, because the next statement is not a contradiction to the preceding statement. The next statement is a continuation of the first statement. Love, God, and. Are you following me? Love God and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. You guys, I've been fasting and my lips are super dry. So if my lip gets stuck to my, up my teeth, my, <laughs> just bear with me, okay? I'm going to try to pronounce these words as best as I can. And a second is like it. Now, some people have uh, tr- uh, understood that word second as in second place. And that's not an accurate translation. Because to, to, if you think that, then that what what that means is it'll lead to a life that says it's okay to love God, but, you know, the heck with people. And that's a problem. That's not what the Bible's saying. That's a problem. Why? Because it'll lead to two, to two results, which are both bad. You either retreat or reject. You either get around people who don't believe what you believe, and because they don't believe what you believe, you go hiding out in, in, a, in a cave somewhere, in a monastery somewhere. Well, I don't hang out with sinners because I'm like, that. well, that's a problem because Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so we kind of got to be that in order to bring light into the darkness. And so that's a bad. And then the other one is reject, right? We either run from or we attack. So when we meet somebody who doesn't like us, we fight them and we argue with them. And you need to believe this and that, that, that. That's not good either. And unfortunately, we have too many churches that are retreating and rejecting and not enough who are just loving. 
We want to be that church, by the way. We want to be a church that's not afraid to welcome people into our doors. We're not going to run away from them, and we're not going to fight against them. We're going to love them. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. We're going to do the loving, and God will do the judging. Amen? That's this church. That's what Journey Church is. So we're about. Okay, so that's not, that's not right. So in order to really understand what Jesus meant when he said second, we have to get into the true text translation. Now, this was written in Greek, and the thing with Greek is that oftentimes there's a lot of definitions for one word. Same in English. Ball can mean, you know, four different things. Run has over 30 different definitions, the word run. And so, so the word like here actually is translated well, but not accurately. It's, it's true. He did mean like, but it has a more specific translation. It actually means reflection. The Greek word means reflection. Now, that's cool because um, I don't know about you, but I always get in awe when I see a mirror. I think a mirror is cool. And when you understand the science of a mirror, it really gets even cooler. Um, but just the whole thing, like, that's like, yeah, it's in the mirror. That's pretty crazy. I used to think that when I sat in front of a mirror, it was the light that was reflecting off the mirror and shining onto me. That's why I used to think a reflection was. And then I did some more study, and I found out that's true, but that's not true. Light doesn't just bounce off of mirrors. I don't know if you know this. Light actually bounces off everything. And so the, what I'm seeing in the mirror is not the, it's not the light bouncing off the mirror. It's the light bouncing off of me. Bouncing off of me onto the mirror, then back into my eyes. Why am I sharing this with you? There's no test. There's no science class. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because if, if, I, if I were to slow this process down to the speed of light, and, and you were to see it to the speed of light, because that's how fast light travels, at its speed. And so if I were to slow it down, let me ask you a question. And I sat in front of the mirror and we're at the speed of light. Who would come first, me or the reflection? Because it would have to bounce off me first, right? Now it looks simultaneous to the naked eye, but really it's me first. What comes second, the reflection or me? I'm going to point so you can get this answer. <laughs> what comes second, me or the reflection? See, so Jesus said second, but he didn't mean second place. He meant you love God, and the reflection of you loving God is loving others. It's reflection. It's simultaneous. Because, because what happens is God's grace is bouncing off of me. And when God's grace bounces off of me, it, and, it hit, and it's still to other people. The Bible says that God is invisible, and nobody has ever seen God. I love this verse. But when we love one another, we see God. And so there's an invisible light that is hitting me right now. And you can't see this invisible light until it shows up on the mirror. God's love might be invisible. His presence might be invisible. His grace might be invisible. But when it bounces off of you and you start loving and serving other people, people can see the light. People can see the light. People can see it. They see God's real when we love other people. Amen? And that's what you got to understand. That the love I show other people is not my love. I don't, I don't have, my love is flawed. My love is dependent. My love is on whether or not you brought me Krispy Kreme. My love is on whether or not you agree with me. My love is temporary. My love is, is challenged. My love's got issues. God's love is perfect. My body doesn't generate light. I get my light from the sun. I said the sun. I said the sun. The sun of God's grace and light shines on me, and the reflection of that is to love other people. That's why 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. It's our motivation. 
It's our motivation. And the second is like it. 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 Hmm. That reflection is like me. Just like me. Muscular like me. Handsome like me. It's just, I'm just joking. He's just like me. But he's not me. You're wondering where I'm going with this. He's just like me, but he's not me. Hmm. When God's light shines on you, you don't just see people. You see people who are just like you. It's not you. Oh, yeah. If that's too deep, I'll make it practical. So when someone cuts you off in traffic, And you all like, how dare, and you start saying words that are not in the Bible, that are not, you don't say in worship, how dare you, and you start, you know, the, the one finger blessing, and you start sending stuff his way. I want you to remember when he did that, all the times you did that to someone else. And then your anger will turn into understanding, because you've been late for work too. And you cut people off. But it's funny because when you cut people off, oh, I'm sorry, I just, just got to get to work. I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. You, some of y'all give the hand. Some of you don't even give the hand. You know the hand. My bad, man. Some of y'all and just pretend like nothing ever happened. You know why? Because you stored up a measure of mercy for you that you refuse to share with other people. There's grace for me. There's mercy for me. There's forgiveness for me. But him, how dare he? Come on. Come on. That's you. That's you. So when your spouse says something to you and calls you a name, I want you to remember all the times that you called her names, all the times that you called someone else a name. And you sit back, you know what? I know what it's like to be frustrated. I know what it's like to be broken. Uh, when your kids do something crazy and you get angry, well, I guess you got the right because you were the perfect teenager. How dare he? How dare she? When I was growing up, when you were growing up, you were crazy. You are lucky your parents didn't give you up. So you know what? Give them the patience that someone gave you. And it's an amazing thing when you start to see other people, not just as other people, but like you, just not you. You begin to see the boss who's refusing to acknowledge any of your work, and you don't see them. Instead, you see yourself and all the times you've ignored people in your life. You go, man, you know, it's tough to be mad. That's me. Instead of seeing the ex that cheated on you, that still bubbles up that feeling, you don't see your ex. You see all the times you've been unfaithful to God. So when I get it, I've done that too. I've been there too. You don't just see your friend who abandoned you. When you look at your friend, oh, I hate that person because every time uh, they weren't there for me. They weren't there for me. And you, you don't see them. You see all the time somebody texted you at 8 o'clock at night and you still haven't rolled back. That text came in three years ago because you're busy. They're like me. They're just not me. When, when, when you see, when you think about your dad and how he was never there for you growing up, your mom, how she abused you and anger rises up. I want you to think about all the people that you have echoed what they did to you onto them in your life. And all of a sudden, 
your anger and frustration turns into compassion and sympathy. And you go, you know what? I'm just a sinner too. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you and me included. Jesus said, he who has, he who has not sinned, cast thee the first stone. If you're perfect, go ahead, throw stones, be mad, be upset. But if you're in need of grace, you better show some grace. So don't be angry at them. Don't be mad at them. Don't want to beat them up. Pray for them. Pray for them that the light of God that shone on your life and rescued you out of your old self would shine on them and rescue them out of, your, out of, their, out of their lives. It's called grace. And listen, if the love of other people is what comes out of the love of God, let me tell you what comes out of love for others. Now, I can stay here and preach this. Like, God showed me like 10 other things about this, but, but I want to get to my real point. That don't need my point. I'm still going to get you out of here on time, but I just want to get to my real point. If, if, if loving others is what comes out of loving God, let me tell you what comes out of loving others. Matthew chapter 22, verse 38 through 39. Jesus is about to go to the cross. I'm sorry, not there. John chapter 13, oh, can I do one more thing? This is a pretty cool illustration, right? Yeah, I worked hard on it. I hope you liked it. Can we put up Matthew 22, 39 back on the screen? We can go now. <laughs> As yourself. Now you know how that works. I was there too. I needed forgiveness too. As yourself. Okay, now we'll go. John 13, 1. John chapter 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus is going to die within 24 hours of this instance right here. Within 20, definitely less. Probably 12 to 15, 16 hours from here. He's about to go to the cross and die. And, he's, and John is writing, he's saying, and Jesus is about to show us how much he loves us. Love for others. Look what comes out of loving others. Verse 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So he, one by one, goes to the disciples, undoes his towel, gets on his knees, and starts washing their feet. In order to really understand the gravity of what just happened, you have to understand three things. Number one, what foot washing is. Number two, who was washing the feet. And number three, whose feet were being washed. Number one, what is foot washing? Foot washing was the lowliest uh, act of service that you could do in a house. Back in the Bibles, Bible times, we didn't have closed toe shoes. Every man and woman wore, wore sandals. And they also didn't have a latrine for your animal. And so you would walk down the street and you would step in a lot of stuff. You didn't want to bring that smell inside the house. And so before you went inside the house, the lowliest of the slaves would clean your feet and he would, he would get in there. Like that means that in his thumbs would be excrement. Between his fingers would be excrement. The smell would just combine that with the sweat. The smell was, it was such a lowly activity that it was reserved for the slaves. But here's something I found out in my Bible study time. If you were a Jewish slave, you were even too good for that. You had to be a foreign-born slave to wash feet. That's how low and dirty this job was. Number one, now you know what foot washing is. Who was washing the feet? Jesus. The only one in that room who was clean is choosing to get dirty. On top of that, he's getting in the very last lowest position when John said that he's the firstborn of all creation. And so now we got, you know, bizarro world, opposite day. 
We got the cleanest person getting dirty and the first becoming last. And, and, and you got to understand, in Hebrew times, the firstborn had all the rights. They had the right to the inheritance. They had the right to the job. They had the right to the authority and power. They didn't have to do anything to earn it. You will never appreciate the cross and Jesus' sacrifice until you first understand that he did not have to do it. He had a right to stay in heaven. And he chose to come to earth anyway. He had a right to sit on his, stay on his throne. And he chose to leave it. I remember when my, when my father, I called my father the other day. I wanted to get some stories about him growing up. My dad was one of 11. And um, when, when they were a little older, all of the boys and girls, they, they ran away from my grandfather because he was abusive. He was a psychotic man, honestly. And, uh, and so they ran away from them. The oldest brother got married young, left. So my dad became the father of the household. He was the oldest brother. He had rights. There was 10 other brothers and sisters underneath him. Same husband, same wife, like 10 other, 10 other brothers and sisters beneath him. And, um, and he had rights. He could have got married. He could have left the house. He could have let my, my grandmother deal with that, that chaos. He didn't have to be there. But, 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 but he chose to. And he told me about dinner. Dinner was crazy because they could only eat what the government paid for. And the government paid for a lot of food, but it didn't pay for everything. And so... If you can imagine, they only had a table that set two people. I mean, there are no tables for 11 people. I mean, in Jesus' day, I guess there was one because they all sat in the end of that supper. But, but you know, and that's not fitting in a little, in a little whatever, one-bedroom apartment that all 11 of them squeezed into. Um, and so they would, they would come and eat two by two. And, and, and my dad, even though he was the oldest, even though he had the right, he told me, he said, I would make sure that everyone ate first. That he ate, that she ate, that he ate, that she ate, that he ate, that she ate. And what happens if a brother or sister was a little hungry that day? What happens if they took a double portion? What do you think was on my father's plate when he got to the end of him? Not much, if anything. And I love it because it's an illustration of what Jesus did. He said, I know I came first, but I choose to first serve. I know I came first, but I choose serve first. Are you the first person to get saved in your family and now the rest of your family is giving you a hard time? Serve them. Are you the first person in your relationship to say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness because you're starting to feel God's love but the other person is not yet? Serve them. I know you came first. Serve first. That was Jesus' example. Lastly, you got to know whose feet were being washed. Oh, it would be one thing if it was a clean man. It would be one thing if it was a man of nobility who rode around town on a horse or a donkey, never soiling his feet. But oh no, he was washing the feet of a fisherman. So on top of all the other stuff that's between his toes, you got fish guts between the big toe and the little toe. Peter's felt feet smelling like tilapia. I mean, it's just not good. It's just not good. And Peter knows who Jesus is. He knows that he's God. He knows that he's holy. And when Jesus comes to wash his feet, look what Peter says. You will never wash my feet. Throw it up on the screen. You will never wash my feet. You shall, he said, uh-uh. I know I'm dirty. I don't want you to touch me. I'm filthy. I want you to see me as good. I want you to see me as put together. I want you to see me as righteous. And you know what? And, and the irony of it is Jesus called him when he was a fisherman. You are not a lot. Some of you guys here today are refusing to let Jesus do things in your life because you don't want him to pull out the mess inside. 
I don't want to, I literally had someone tell me that. He told me, I, I met with him this week. He said, I don't want to give my life to Jesus because there's unresolved issues in my, in my heart. I got issues with my, with my parents. I got issues with my, my friends. I've got issues when I was a child. Things happen to me that you don't know. I don't want to come to Jesus because he's pulling things out of my heart. And I want you to know something. When he called you, he knew it was there already. You are not surprising him with your garbage. You are not surprising him with your issues. You are not surprising him with your problems. He knew they were there, and he said, come in spite of them. And it's not your sin that's keeping you from God. Can I say this as a pastor who loves you? I'm going to try to say it as nice as I can, as gently as I can, with all the truth in my heart. It's not your sin that's keeping you from Christ. It's your pride. And if there's one thing serving can do, it's humble you. One time, man, I did a full washing ceremony at church. We don't do a lot of them here. We haven't done one since we started the church. We probably should. They're powerful. And one time, I was a part of a full washing ceremony at my, my old church. My pastor's job in my life during that season of my life was humility, for sure. People come up to me today, and they go, man, JJ, the one thing I love about you is that you don't think you're important. You know, you're so humble. And I love that. I don't, I don't think I am, but I love that, that people tell me that. But that wasn't always the case. I was pretty prideful, bro. And uh, my pastor recognized that. It's been a whole season. Some would call it humbling. Others torture. I'm not really sure. Now I look at it as humbling, but when I was in it, that was torture. So we did a big food washing ceremony. You know, you take off the shoe, you got a little basin of water, you start washing feet. So it's my turn to wash your feet. And luck would have it, as soon as it's my turn, a homeless man walks in off the street. Looking for food, we had a food pantry. But he walked in the middle of our food washing ceremony. The pastor looked at me. He looked at that homeless man. I said, I got a I got something printing. Uh, I'll be right back. He said, No, 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 no. He said, we would love to explain food washing. We would love to wash your feet. He said, Yeah, absolutely. He sat down. He said, JJ, go. I said, oh. <laughs> okay. I got down. <sighs> Took off the shoe. Homeboy had like four socks on. Every sock, it was like a layer. It's like we were diving deeper into like the center of hell with every... <laughs> With every layer of sock that came off, it was like, like this layer is reserved for those who are kind of bad. This layer is reserved for like, you know, the murderer. This layer is reserved for like, you know, I just kept going low. Man, when he finally got to the fit, can I be honest with you? Repeat after me. <laughs> Pastor, no matter what you say, I will not judge you. <laughs> I took my hand in the water bottle, in the water basin. I grabbed a little puddle, and I was like. <laughs> it's true. I'm embarrassed now, but it's true. It's fine. Man, man, Jesus loves you, bro. Really? You're amazing. Man, God's got a plan for your life. Man. It's crazy that you walked in right here. And I grabbed the towel. I was just like, 
we switched. Because that's what fruit washing is. So I said that. And took off my shoes. And pulled off the socks. And grabbed the towel and dipped it in the water. And guys, when I tell you that he went to town, he went to town on my feet. I felt like I was getting a pedicure. He was just... Is that good? Is that good? I'm like, yeah, man, that's good. Thank you. He'd go and he'd scrub and he'd grow and he'd scrub. He did it three times. Tried it, went again. Tried it, went again. You know why? Because he didn't see another person when he was washing feet. He needed to be clean. And he saw all his dirt. And he saw all his shame. And he saw all his past. And he saw all his decisions. And he saw all his, his, his deception. And he saw all, all the times he slept under the street. He loved me like he loved himself. I saw another, I saw a homeless guy. Changed my life. Jesus says this. Do you know what I've just done for you? Go to that. John 13, 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed, he said, do you understand what I just did? Do you understand what food washing means? Do you understand who you are? Do you understand who I am? Next verse. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also follow. Do just as I have done to you. I'm excited about what God's doing in Journey Church, and I'm even more excited about what God's doing in your life, but I don't ever want to be a church that's identified by good music or good preaching or I want to be a church that is identified by a people who leave this building looking for feet to wash, looking for people to serve, looking for people to love, looking for, and seeing people, and seeing people as we see ourselves. That's not a person from a different lifestyle who I disagree with. That's me. That's me. That's me. I want to give you three rules for serving. I don't want to tell you how to start, and we're done. We're going real quick. Three rules for serving. Number one, here at Journey Church, listen, we put our deeds before our words. I love that Jesus saved the sermon for the end. He didn't say, hey, guys, I'm Jesus, and I really shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do this. Take off your shoes. He cleaned their feet first and then gave them the message. In Brooklyn, we used to say, don't talk about it, be about it. I want to be a church that talks about it be a church that is about it. We're going to serve you. We're going to clean your feet. And if you let us, we're going to tell you why we did it. Because we love Jesus and he loves you. Number two, we serve expecting nothing in return. 
Nothing. You don't got to do nothing. You know whose, whose feet Jesus washed? Oh, not just Peter. Judas too. Now you got to imagine the human side of him was thinking, come on, man, don't do it. I love you, man. I love you. Don't do it. Don't betray me. I love you. But the God side of him, the Onesian side, checked his human side and said, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do. He's going to betray you. And he washed anyway. You've never served until you've served an enemy. You've never served until you've served an enemy. You're a Republican, you've never served until you served a Democrat. You're a Democrat, you've never served until you served a Republican. You're white, you've never served until you served somebody who's not white. Puerto Rican, you've never served until you've served somebody who's not Puerto Rican. So somebody who's not like you and don't expect anything in return. My motive is not what you're going to give me. I got a different motive. I got a different motive. I got the light. And number three, we serve with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Why? Because the second is a reflection of the first. So if we serve God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, then we serve people with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. How do I start? I'm excited now. I'm pumped. You got me amped. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do it. How do I start? Number one, how to start? Start at home. Teenagers, start with your parents. They don't have to feed you. There's this little thing called an orphanage. And they got every right to drop your ungrateful butt there if they so choose. Parents, I'm preaching for you. Back me up. Me hanging. I'm trying to sow seeds for when my kids become teenagers. Serve them. Maybe you're a 20 something living at home, but your parents are still paying the rent. When was the last time you took your parents out to eat? To just tell them thank you. Take your mom and dad out for a bite. And don't let it be McDonald's. Don't you dare. Number two, join the dream team. The dream team is what we call our volunteer team here at Journey Church, but we don't call them volunteers because it's, it's not work for us. It's the joy of our lives to be able to let God's light bounce off of us and onto other people. We do that in Journey Kids. We do that in Setup Takedown. We do that in, in Ushers, the one who opened the doors and greeted you today. We do that through, through worship, music. Um, I want to encourage you, join the dream team. Come be a part of what we're doing here at Journey Church, making a difference. You can do that by coming to our next steps right here, step three. We serve lunch. Come right after. I'll talk to you more about it. I'll give you more information. This is your opportunity to have an eternal difference. Come join the team. Number three, change the world. Change the world, church. We'll start in Winter Park, but we got bigger goals. We'll start with your life, but God's got bigger goals than your life. He wants to use your life to change your family too. Change the world. This Monday, we celebrated a man who changed the world. Martin Luther King Jr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I want to close off the message today by quoting him. He said this, everybody can be great because everybody, because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. All you need is a heart full of grace to serve. 
I want to hone in on that last part. Everybody can be great. Everybody can be great. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. Next slide. Everybody can be great. Because anybody can serve. You want to live a great life? You want to live a mediocre life? Great life? Okay. You can be great. You don't got to sing like Mariah. You don't got to dance like Somebody said Usher. I know when you were born. I know when you Michael Jackson. You got to preach like Stephen Furtick. All you got to do to be great is serve. Will you help me? Will you help me change the world? Let's do it, church. Let's change. I might be crazy, but I think we can do it. I think we can change the world, fighting with the weapons that Christ used. Love, peace, patience, hope, serving, taking the towels off of our waist, whatever that towel represents in your life, getting in the muck and mess of people. If that's you, you want to bow your head and close your eyes. If you want to help me serve, if you want to help change this world by starting to change your life, by starting to change this community, by starting to change your marriage, change, but ser- by, by maybe serving in church. If you want to join me in serving, a serving revolution, a servolution. If you want to join me in changing the world, when I count to three, I want to ask you to invite your hand and together we're going to pray a prayer to God to help us make the difference we all are dying to make. On three, lift up your right hand. If that's you, you want to serve and make a difference. One, two, three. Shoot your right hand up to the sky right now. I want my life to be spent wash your feet. I want to do it because I want my life to matter. Come on. Amazing. Put your hand down. Hey, if you raised your hand and even if you did it, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God, dear God, I feel it inside of me, a desire to be great. I'm not a nobody. I'm not just anybody. I'm a somebody. Inside of me is greatness and I'm going to unlock it by serving people. I'm going to serve people who I agree with and I'm going to serve people who I don't agree with. I'm going to serve people who look like me and I'm going to serve people who don't look like me. I don't care if that means I get dirty. I don't care if that means I get messy. I'm going to serve because you first served me. Amen and amen. Hey, if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, Maybe when I talk about sitting down and receiving grace, you have no idea what that means because you've never felt that. You've never felt inspired. You've never felt like from, from heaven above. That's Jesus Christ. Through the person of the Holy Spirit right now, he's tugging on your heart because you might not have a relationship with him. You kind of know about him. You kind of know about church, but you've never really made the leap full force wholeheartedly. Well, this morning is your morning to make that stand, to make that leap, to make that change. Change begins, not as Martin Luther King said, but as Michael Jackson said, with the man in the mirror. So maybe we need to give our hearts over to Christ so that he can fill it with love, so that we may love others. Every head, by every eye closed, we give a moment of privacy. If that's you here today and you say, yep, that's me. My heart's empty of love and I need Jesus Christ to come fill it. He is the source of love. God is love is what the Bible says in 1 John. That's you. When I count to three, I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal. I am ready to make a decision for Christ. One, two, all over this building. One, two, three.
three right now, shoot your hand up. I need Jesus in my heart. I need a love that makes me warm and that fills my life. Amen. I see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Put your hand down. Pray this prayer after me. Church, don't leave our brothers and sisters hanging. Let's pray it together. Dear God, I hear you calling me today, and I'm answering. Here is my heart. I surrender. Fill it with your love, Jesus, so that I may love others. Forgive me for my past. I haven't lived the best. I haven't believed the best. But today, I choose to believe right, knowing that my behavior will follow that decision. So God, I simply say, I love you. Now love me, fill my heart with your love. Yeah, make that part personal right there. I know you've been repeating, but make that part personal. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Tell them, fill me with your love. That's what you need. That's what awakens hearts. Tell them, Holy Spirit, fill me with your love. That's what awakens hearts. That's what does change. Holy Spirit, fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Yes. Amen. Amen. Church, can we give a hand clap of praise for about, it looked like nine or ten people? Yeah. Stand with me. Let's. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text JOURNEYORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.